I have great news for you. God is good. And God cares for every one of you here very deeply. You matter to him. You really, really do. You matter to sovereign God. And I got some more good news. It's the first lady's birthday today. <laughs> and she just thrives on attention, so I'll be hearing about that a little later in the evening, but uh, I, can, I can take it. Let. Let. A series on this tiny little word, let. Sometimes we read the Bible and we think, oh, that word doesn't matter. That's a little word. But that little word shows up in the New Testament writings especially a great, great deal. Let. It's interesting how we use this word. I'm going to give you some sentences now. Uh, where this word is used, just come forward on the screen, a couple of clicks, and uh, I won't let you go. I will let you go. Let me in. You are tired, so I will let you get some rest. If you need anything at all, let me know. What is that you got there, huh? Let me see. My boss let me leave early. Uh, bosses, you should do that once in a while. <laughs> let, let. Tiny little word, but it's an important word. It's used basically in two ways. Uh, the first way it is used is in, uh, in, a, in a positive sense. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, it's used proactively in the terms of allowing or permitting something. You let something happen. Or it's used submissively where we're not preventing something or forbidding something to happen. We let it happen. It's used, it's used proactively and it is used submissively. New Testament, friends, is full of the New Testament is full of things we are supposed to be letting happen in our lives. The New Testament is full of things we're supposed to be letting happen in our lives. Or maybe make sure we're not preventing from happening. Colossians chapter 3 is where we're going to start in this series, which will probably cover the next three months or so. Colossians 3 and verse 15. And let the peace of Christ 
rule in your hearts to which you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That word and up there should be one. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let's pray. Spirit of God, I ask you to come. I have nothing to give these people. I have nothing to offer independent of anything you've given me first. I, I need you, Lord. I need you. We need you. So minister and work in our lives this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Let the peace of Christ rule. There's two kinds of peace primarily in the New Testament. And the first kind of peace is peace with God. Uh, and we read about the peace with God in Romans chapter 5 and verse number 1. Um, peace with God, that's what God comes, the gift God comes, the gift that God gives. Uh, when you invite God into your life, when you surrender your life to God, when you say to God, I'm yours, Lord, I'm not going to spend the rest of my life living a sinful, self-centered life, you receive peace peace with God. The second kind of peace uh, that the New Testament talks about is what Colossians 3.15 talks about here, and it's called the peace of God. I want to talk, share tonight on some principles for letting the peace of God rule in our lives principles for letting the peace of God rule in our lives. And the first of those principles is realize that the peace of God is simple, not simply, next slide please, is not simply what you have. It is something that is meant to have control of your life. The peace of God is not just simply something that you have. It is meant to have control of your life. Let me read it to you in the Amplified Version. I think it brings some real clarity to this. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15. And let the peace... Harmony which comes in your soul from Christ's rule act as umpire continually in your hearts, deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your minds in that peaceful state. What does the peace of God do? It's supposed to act as an umpire continually. Act as an umpire continually. Picture in your mind the baseball umpire. Pictures down there somewhere, and the batter's there, and 
the catchers kneeling behind the base, the uh, home base, home plate. And behind him is the umpire. And the umpire makes the calls in the game. The umpire makes the decisions. The umpire decides if it's a strike or a ball. The umpire decides who's safe and who's not safe. The umpire rules the game. And everybody else can be going crazy and think terrible decisions are being made and terrible things are happening. And the umpire stands there as calm as anything. The umpire. The umpire. Let the peace of God act as an umpire continually in your heart. Raising our boys, I coach their softball teams uh, quite a bit. Uh, First Lady even coached Kent's team once. Emphasis on once. Um, and when I wasn't coaching, one of the things that often happened is you'd arrive at the game and they were looking for some base umpires. And if I was there, I, I would say, I can help you with that. I uh, remember distinctly, it's funny, I'm finding this funny as I think about this, as I get uh, older. It's funny the things you remember in life. Like there's 24 hours every day and there's these little things you remember. So Kent's team is playing, I'm not his coach that year. And uh, he's probably coaching his older brothers. And Kent's a pretty good athlete. He uh, hits, gets on first base. And I'm the base umpire for first and second base. And he decides to steal second base. Takes off, and he had the capacity to take off, but the catcher was bright, and the second baseman was good. And that ball's coming through the air and Kent's heading to second base. And I watched it, but I also listened. And uh, Kent hit second base and just after he hit second base, I heard the ball hit the glove of the second baseman. Was really, really close. And I called him safe. And all of a sudden, from the other bench, I was getting a finger that I don't ever use. (laughs) Somebody apparently knew I was a pastor. He calls himself a pastor! All kinds of things going on. I still remember the time. But the truth of the matter is, if he'd been out, I would have called him out. He wasn't out. He was safe. 
the peace of God, the peace of God is meant to umpire our hearts. And we have to let the peace of God umpire our hearts. Smith's literal version says this. Let me read it to you, Colossians uh, chapter 3, verse 15. Uh, oh, Barclay's coming up first, so we'll go with Barclay. Let the peace of God be the decider of all things within your hearts. For it is that peace you were called to so that you might be united in one body. Let the peace of God be the decider of things within your hearts. Now Smith's uh, literal version, I think it's called, I'm not sure if you got, there we are. Let the peace of God act as umpire in your hearts. So how do we do that? How do we let this happen? Well, I think there's some real clear principles in Philippians chapter four and verses six and seven. And the first one is don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. Uh, Philippians chapter four, verse six says, be anxious about nothing. Don't worry about anything. Uh, I remember being on holidays with mom and dad once, and we ended up in a city, and mom was a registered nurse. She was so excited because this was the city where the Mayo Clinic was. She didn't realize we were going to the city where the Mayo Clinic was. As a registered nurse, this was huge to her. She was where the Mayo Clinic was. Two Mayo brothers who were doctors started the Mayo Clinic with a few other guys. The clinic is named after them. Dr. Charles Mayo has this to say. Dr. Charles Mayo, listen in, please. Worry is the disease of doubt. It affects the circulation, the heart, the glands, the whole nervous system. I have never known a man who died from overwork, but many who have died from doubt. Anxiety, worry, friends, is a destroyer. Worry is a destroyer. So the first way you let the peace of God rule is you decide, I am not going to worry about anything. Do you know you make a decision to worry? That's what you do. A thought comes into your mind, you've got a choice. You can say, ha, I'm not paying no attention to that. Or you can begin to ruminate in your mind about it. Think about it, think about it, think about it. Don't worry about anything. That's the starting place in uh, letting the peace of God rule. And then the second thing we discover is we are to pray about everything. Number two, pray about everything. 
We have been in the middle of a week, we're in the ninth day of 10 days of prayer and fasting. Thank you for uh, the response of this church this week. I think it was Tuesday morning, Donna said to me, I, I found a scripture here I need to read you. It's from the Amer Aramaic Bible in plain English. I didn't even know there was an Aramaic Bible in plain English. And she read me Micah 6, verse 8, which many of you are familiar with. But boy, did it get strong in my heart this week. Aramaic was the language Jesus did most of his teaching in while he was on the earth. I've shown you, son of man, the thing that is useful, that you may seek Lord Jehovah for yourself, that you will do justice and you shall love grace and you shall be prepared to go after your God. Wow. It's useful that you may seek Lord Jehovah for yourself. I uh, want to remind you that you have to have a personal prayer life. You have to. <laughs> You have to seek the Lord for yourself. Sometimes we rely on the pastor to do it. Sometimes we rely on mom to do it. Sometimes we rely on grandma. Grandma's a wonderful woman of God. I know she's praying for me. God has shown us, he has revealed to us in his word what is useful, what we need to be doing. And he says we need to seek Lord Jehovah for ourselves. Friends, learn to pray about everything. <laughs> so when something comes into your life that you're not expecting, kind of blindsides you, where did that come from? First decision you make is, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to think about this. I'm not going to worry about it. And the second thing you decide is, is I'm going to pray. Lord, I give it to you. I give it to you. You're going to walk with me through this. You carry this for me, Lord. And the third thing you do to let the peace of God uh, rule, the third thing you do is you be thankful. You be thankful. Colossians 3, verse 15, the end of this verse we've been looking at uh, and says, and be thankful, Philippians 4, uh, 6 and 7 says, and be thankful in everything, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. God never designed us to be grumbling, complaining, critical people. We believe God has everything under control. We give things to him, and we give it to him with thankfulness, and he brings us through. So we're thankful. So we're thankful. Second principle here uh, in terms of letting the peace of God rule in our lives is we need to recognize, number two, that this is an issue of the heart. This is an issue of the heart. Where do we need to let the peace of God rule? What did the verse say? Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. 
That's how God designed you. God created you to live in this wonderful peace with him. You need to let it happen. You need to let it happen. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. One of my sisters turned 40 and we drove to Calgary, Donna and I, for the celebration. And uh, my younger sister was coordinating the whole thing. And we got to the night of the event and uh, it went off marvelously. The house was packed sister is friendly and has a lot of friends. It was a great evening. Cleaned up, ended. The next morning, my wife phoned my younger sister who had uh, coordinated the whole thing and said, thank you, thank you so much for all of your work in, in uh, putting together Glenda's 40th. She said, I was happy to do it. She said then, but it was a hard day. The day before, I miscarried the little one inside of me. Miscarriages are always difficult. She'd had a great deal of trouble conceiving. And her heart was broken. And Donna says, how did you even find the strength to do that? And she said this statement, which I think has become a marker for our entire family ever since she said it. She said, well, Donna, either you believe that God is sovereign or you don't. Either you believe that God is sovereign or you don't. And she found an ability, a place, where she could rest even in the midst of great, great disappointment. She didn't understand it. She didn't even like it. But she knew that God was sovereign. And a little while later, we were introduced to two beautiful nieces. It's an issue of our heart. I know this is maybe hitting some of you a little hard tonight, forgive me. My heart is not to beat you up. Let me share a couple of quotes though that I ran across this week. I think the first one is from Adam Clark. Uh, and his commentary, I suspect uh, it was written at least 200 uh, years ago. So Adam Clark has this to say. No heart is right with God where the peace of Christ does not rule. And the continual prevalence of the peace of Christ is the decisive proof that the heart is right with God.
let, let. Let it happen, friends. It's there for you. You don't have to go find it. You just need to let it happen. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. And then I stumbled across, across uh, dailyversenowingjesus.com this week, and this is what dailyverseknowingjesus.com uh, had to say. Next slide, please. Yes, the promised peace of Christ is an accurate indicator of one standing with the Lord and is a guide as to whether or not we are abiding in Christ and abiding in his love. The spiritual man or woman who is walking in his spirit and in truth will know a peace in their heart which passes understanding even in the midst of great trials and difficulties. The peace of God. Let the peace of God rule. I was counseling a couple, and uh, my cell phone began to ring. I looked, and it was Donna calling me. Donna was in Calgary. Her mom was not well. I slipped out of the office, and Donna is sobbing. Her mom had just passed away. Her mom was a sweetheart. I loved that lady. Loved that tiny little itsy bitsy lady. Woman with spunk and energy and wisdom. And I. Uh, tried to comfort Donna. She was with her sisters. We prayed together. And then I had to make a decision. <laughs> Am I going to continue meeting with this couple? I couldn't go to Calgary right away. <laughs> or not. And I just, in the few steps back into the office, said, oh God, let the peace of God rule. Let the peace of God rule, and we continued our discussion. God's peace, friends, is available to us. It's available to me. <laughs> and it's available to you. So, uh, what do we need to do to make that happen? Number one, we need to Keep God's name hallowed in our lives. I'm going to go through these quite quickly. Keep God's name and hallowed his, hallowed his name is Jehovah Shalom. Hold his name as hallowed. Number two, uh, God's word must rule. God's word must rule and reign. Uh, Probably a few clicks here, Psalm 119 and verse 65. Psalm 119 and verse 65. Great peace of they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. <laughs> you can actually get to a place where God's word has so much authority in your life, it's ruling and reigning, that you become unoffendable. Become unoffendable. 
Do you get offended easily? You're, you're tricking yourself if you think, well, I got my stuff together. If you're being offended easily, you need to spend more time in God's word. Isaiah chapter 48 and verse 18. Isaiah 48 and verse 18, English Standard Version. Oh, that you had paid attention to my commandments. Then your peace would have been like a river. Do you want peace? Do you want peace? Do you want to live in this wonderful peace, peace of God? You want it to be like a river in your life? Pay attention to the commandments. And third comment, and then I'm just going to share about four scripture verses with you and tell you a quick story and I'll be done. Third thing, know this is the way Christians are meant to live. Know this is the way Christians are meant to live. Colossians 3 and verse 15, let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body. Friends, this is what we've been called to. <laughs> we've been called to let the peace of God rule in our hearts. And anytime we're disturbing things and trying to get things all confused and somebody get moving here, let's see if we can make some trouble. Anytime we're doing that, we're living in disobedience to God's word that says, hey, you've been called to the peace of God and you've been called to let the peace of God rule in our, in our hearts. All of us are deeply committed to that. All of us. All of us. John chapter uh, 16 and verse 33. Jesus speaking here. I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. <laughs> We're going to have peace, friends. The world is not a real peaceful place. But we're going to have peace. That's God's promise to us. In me you may have peace. Everybody say peace. In me you have peace. Since 3600 BC, since 3600 BC, the world has only known 292 years of peace. During this period, there have been 14,351 wars, large and small, and 3.64 billion people have been killed in the world. There's going to be tribulation. But in our hearts, in our hearts, <laughs> there's going to be peace. Psalm 29 and verse number 11. Psalm 29 and verse number 11. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. 
Hear me, friends, hear me, hear me. You know what the Lord wants to bless you with? May the Lord bless his people with peace. God wants to bless you with peace. Even in the most difficult times, the most troublesome decisions you have to make, the most challenging periods of your life, the Lord wants to bless his people with peace. Why don't you just raise your hands if you want peace. Father, we receive right now, we receive the blessing of peace. Peace, peace. Wonderful peace we receive, Lord. Thank you. Uh, Another portion of scripture here, Isaiah chapter 26 and verse number three. You keep him in perfect peace, his mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. (laughs) You know why we lose our peace? We get our eyes off Jesus. God will keep you in perfect peace when your mind is stayed on him. Let, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let it happen. Let it be. Sounds like a song, let it be. Uh, I'll probably hear about the song on the way home too. Isaiah chapter 32. Isaiah chapter 32 and verse number 17. The effect of righteousness will be peace. And the result of righteousness, quietness and trust forever. Peace, peace. A soldier was uh, found wounded in the battlefield and his comrades came up to him and began to carry him to the tent hospital. Part of the way there, he said to those who were carrying them, please just put me down, go find someone else to get them to the tent. I don't think getting to the tent is gonna save my life. Go get somebody who's still got a chance. And he was persistent, so they put him down. and Went to look for somebody else to bring to the hospital tent. Short while later, another officer came walking by and saw him laying there and said, what, what can I do to help you? How can I help you? And he said, I'm fine, I'm fine. Just go find other people who can really benefit from your help. Go look for them. And the officer said, no, but I'd really like to help you. And he said, well, I guess there's one thing you could do for me. Could you get my knapsack? And very down at the bottom of my knapsack, is my Bible, could you get my Bible out? And would you, uh, would you read to me John uh, chapter 14 and verse number 22. And this is, the officer went and got the Bible and this is what he read to him, verse 27, sorry. 
peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world does I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And he said to his officer, I'm not afraid. Christ has been my savior. I'm at total peace. Friends, let, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Peace, peace, wonderful peace. And so with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, You're here tonight, and I began this message saying there's, there's two kinds of peace. There's peace with Christ, and there's the peace of God. Peace with Christ is the starting point. It's the entry point to peace. It's, it's asking God to forgive you your sins, giving your sins to him, and when you give your sins to him, really neat things happen. He gives you his righteousness. You become righteous. That's the starting point of peace. Peace with Christ. Perhaps you're here tonight and you've never, uh, you've never made the decision to, to give yourself to the Lord, to ask him to take your sins. Tonight's the night to do it. Great opportunity here to begin to experience this wonderful peace that God came to give us all. Wonderful opportunity to begin to let the peace of God rule and reign in your heart. Let, let it happen, let it happen. Don't fight it, let it happen. You're here tonight and you say, I've never given my life to Christ. I've never experienced the peace of Christ. Just take this moment and raise your hand now and say, I uh, want to invite him to come and be my savior and be my Lord and to forgive my sins and to cleanse me today. Just raise your hand if that's you, you're here tonight, you want to make that decision. And then Father, we pray that uh, I pray for everyone here that you would let the peace of God, we would let, we make the decision right now. Pray it with me, please, friends. We just let the peace of God rule and reign in our hearts. We're letting it happen, Father. Let the peace of God rule and reign in our hearts. In Jesus' wonderful name, we ask for your help, your strength, and your peace. In Jesus' name.